0: UCF football back in action tomorrow. It's a homecoming game. The Knights will take on West Virginia. It's a noon kickoff on these Fridays before UCF football game. Uh, Mike and I get a chance to talk to UCF coach Gus Malzahn. Coach, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Uh, You and I talked last night, but for the audience today, what are some of the things that you felt really good about when you left the field against uh, Oklahoma last week in Norman?
1: Yeah, You know, really, overall, we played good, sound football. Our defense, you know, we played one of Against one of the better offenses in college football, and I thought we did a good job. We wore down a little bit towards the end, uh, but overall, defensively, I thought we did did a good job. Offensively, I made some explosive plays um, and really just you know played our played our best game. And we need to continue that you know moving
0: forward. Coach, uh, from the health standpoint, not injuries, but just from the flu bug, is everything kind of cleared up and a healthier team on, on that front for this week.
1: Yeah, I I really expect us to be healthier on that front. I mean, we had quite a few that missed, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday practices, um, you know, as far as that goes. But uh, everybody was back yesterday, you know, hopefully won't have any more. That was a really interesting deal with, uh, with that many guys getting IVs before the game and all that and then continuing to play.
2: Coach, um, uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Some people like myself, uh, you know, my thought going into last week's game was if John Rice Plumley can't run the ball like he usually does, he can't really be an effective quarterback. Obviously, we saw last week that's not the case. Uh, I'm just wondering, do do you think his ability as a passer is underrated? And if so, how good of a passer is he?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that is definitely accurate. Uh, he can flat out throw it and I think he proved that, uh, you know, last week and really even before he got hurt, you know, he was off to a really good start throwing the football. You know, our whole deal this year was to be more balanced and really to push the ball down the field and in improving our yards per completion. I think we were eighty eight last year in the country and I think we're top fifteen now. He has everything to do with that. Um, you know, he is healthier than he was last week. You know, there was one run up the middle that if he was healthy I think he would have house called. But he's getting healthier each week. Um, you know, and when he's on the field, you know, we're a completely different team.
2: Speaking of the passing game, Javon Baker obviously is a stud receiver. Um, what makes him so good, and what did you see when you were recruiting him out of the portal?
1: Well, uh, he's a talented young man. He attacks the ball. He knows how to get open. He's really good at the top routes. And you know, I saw that back in high school when I recruited him. He went, went to another place, and that's uh, he's just grown. He's got more. Uh, he's gotten a little bigger, gotten a little faster, and uh, more experienced.
0: Coach, defensively, you felt better about some things last week. Another big game for Traymon Morris-Brash. The oncoming development of Malachi Lawrence now with four sacks. Got Walter Yates back after he was out. What was better defensively last week that you got to do this backside of the schedule?
1: We've got some guys healthy, like you just said. Ricky Barber was back, too. That definitely helped. But we just simplified things. Went back to day one, day two, day three, day three install. Let our guys line up and play and uh you know, it was uh, it was a completely different deal. Now, you know, this week, I mean, they, they run the football very well. They got a one-plus run quarterback. Uh, we're going to have to fit the run extremely well this week.
0: You mentioned about West Virginia. Garrett Green's their quarterback. He's a Florida kid. Um, he's been their best one of the last couple of weeks. Have they done anything different, or just what is important to stop him from being the run threat?
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, we're going to have to have eyes in the backfield. You know, you play a lot of man. That's kind of scary with a quarterback like that. So we're going to have to mix some things up. Um, you know, the running back, I think is really good too. You know, they're leading our, our they're leading our league in time of possession. So they're doing a good job on third down. We're going to have to get off the field on third down. And then offensively, you know, the one thing that wasn't good last week was our third down conversions. Um, uh, we got to improve on that tomorrow for sure.
2: Coach, I'm assuming that that old-school approach you talked about last week, having your ones go against your ones as you did in the open week before Oklahoma, is just a way to sort of maybe wake your team up a little bit. But that's not something you can do every week, is it, or is it?
1: Well, I mean, I think there's that fine line like we talked about last week. I mean, it just depends on what your team needs. I mean, we did some of that same stuff this week. And, uh, you know, we'll see as far as our health goes as the season winds down. But uh, I know it's been good last week. It was good this week, too.
2: Also, Addison Williams, your D.C., you talked about bringing him to the sideline last week. When you're calling plays, I've always wanted to ask play callers this. When you're calling plays, I guess obviously it's easier to do it from the press box because you get a bird's-eye view, or or what's that like? Yeah, Mike,
1: I think it's. It depends on the, the person. I've never been up in the box in my life. And I just, I love being down there in the middle of it. Um, you know, being able to see your quarterback, being able to see everything. And I think it's whatever you get used to. You know, some guys have been up in the box all their life and they can see things better. And so I think it's just that up to the individual. I know by Ashton coming on the sideline, our energy on our sideline, not just defense, but everything, he brought a, a different deal and he'll continue to be on the sideline. And I know our players enjoyed that too.
0: Coach, you saw Oklahoma firsthand. Texas certainly looks like they're having a, a good season as well. But the rest of this league that you've watched, what have you learned uh, about uh, the, the similarity of teams in this league through uh, the first four games of the conference schedule?
1: Yeah, everyone's solid. I mean, that's what you see. Uh, and we knew that going into the league, but until you experience, you really don't know. You know, and of course. You can really tell, and then we're we're playing a team that really should have beat Houston. They threw up a hail mary from the fifty yard line, really the last play of the game. So we're talking about a team that.
2: Coach, one of the Coach big- winning becomes a habit, and I'm assuming that when you lose four in a row, that, too, can turn into a habit. I I know must-win is kind of a cliche, but in the grand scheme of things, of what you guys want to accomplish this season is it a must-win on Saturday That's- to sort of stop the bleeding a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we need to win. I mean, uh, we, we told our guys, I mean, we, we need to win. They know that. I mean, this is – new rodeo for me you know with four four in a row we got to figure out a way to overcome it we got to figure out a way to win a game and our guys understand that uh, it's homecoming uh it's going to be real exciting i know the place is going to be jumping and our guys are looking forward to it
2: coach you're going to be at the spirit splash today you getting your getting your swim trunks on
1: yeah looking forward to that you know last year i think it was raining pretty good i think the weather's going to be a little better i know our seniors are really excited for this moment
2: Coach,
0: last one, we'll let you go. One of the stories about signs in college football, all that stuff, but uh, people wonder about the technology. If college football can figure out uh, to to, to use a technology like the NFL, um, do you like that idea of having that communication to the quarterback?
1: Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I think, you know, that probably should have been done a long time ago. Uh, We had the technology a long time ago. The problem is, you know, college football is about money. And certain conferences have the money, certain don't, and you talk about bowl games and everything gets complicated. But yeah, I mean it's it's been a long time coming. I'd love to not just have the quarterback, you know, have the earpiece. I'd love everybody to. So we got the technology, and hopefully that'll happen in the near future.
0: Thanks, Coach. We'll see you tomorrow. Appreciate it.
1: I right, guess. Thank you all.
0: Uh, Gus Melzahn and some thoughts on matchup at West Virginia. Get that technology, Mike.
2: Uh, again, how much does it cost, Daniels? I mean, colleges spend money like drunken it's, sailors. Mike, Mike,
0: as we talked yesterday, it's not an issue for the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, and Big 12. But it requires uh, the other conferences, just like I told you yesterday. It's why it took uh, a few years to get instant replay, a uh, set system, because... You have smaller conferences that say, "Well, wait, you know, wait a minute, I don't have that extra blank, whatever the blank." I want a
2: price is. tag, Daniels. When UCF was in the American Athletic Conference, I think UCF probably could have afforded it then.
0: Oh no, no, there are schools that can afford it that play in G five leagues, but there's a lot that can't. I mean, I could tell you stories off air uh, about issues that UCF and Cincinnati and Houston and Memphis were trying to get in the American that other schools were like, "Why, well, I, I, I can't afford that." I don't want to do that, and and you didn't have the votes. And that's one of the bigger issues why people talk about, you know, it's the same game, but it's a different business. Teams in the MAC do not play the same business as Ohio State does in college football. The field's the same size, the rules are the same, and that's why for years people argue. It's why you got the autonomous vote that gave bigger conferences, you know, basically twice the vote. And, And now you've got more saying, look, Maybe it just needs to be a, 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 a different game. But then you have conferences, no, 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 we fight and play the same thing, which is why I'm telling you, conferences like the American better be careful because Mike resco seems to be holding a hard line about not changing the 6-6 six and six for the playoff to 5-7 and seven with the Pac-12 going away. And I'm telling you, if he fights to keep 6-6 six and six and two G5s get in the next two years, Trust me, Greg Sankey will leave the charge not to change it in two years but to eliminate the G5 in two years, to just say, you're out. We don't need you because they have no vote in two years. And so that's on a large scale, but that's some of the issues that bigger conferences deal with, smaller conferences, that require their participation
2: and vote. I asked, again, you know, we, can, we, can, we can talk about this, but does it – I can't imagine it would cost any more than, all right, to have a a, a a helmet receiver in your quarterback's helmet and a coach, could that cost any more than
0: $20,000? It can, but, but remember, as I mentioned yesterday, the NFL collectively bargain owners and players. Third-party liability for college football is much more challenging. And okay. that's also going to be a little bit... Of an issue, the answer is to 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 coach Malzahn and to you. We'll we'll get there, and probably next year in some form, two years, I would say definitely. But it, you know, it's not as simple as well next week. Let's all do it. And by the way, and I think you agree, it doesn't excuse what Michigan's been doing. Even if we add um, that technology next week, so you know, sometimes it takes things like this at Michigan to lead to change that makes common sense and we'll get there. I mean, it, it was funny at first, but now all these signs on sidelines of movie stars and cartoon characters, they just look stupid. <laughs> they right. just look silly. And 15 guys waving different signs, and one's hot, and the other, it, it, it you know, it, like, I, I've got uh, UCF baseball coach Rich, uh, Rich Wallace coming on to promote, uh, they got one more game on the fall schedule, he just wants to promote that, but, uh, college baseball, Mike, has done this now for two years. They have the Pitchcom device. Instead of having you know, a pitching coach give two, four, one, three, five, uh, now he just talks to the pitcher and catcher. Right. right. So that exists, and you say, well, why can't we do that in helmets? We can't. We just have to get there where everybody agrees to the technology used, what's the cost, and in play not everybody in college baseball uses it some can't afford it but they went ahead and said if you can afford it you can use it if you don't then you don't
2: plus it it makes the games more equitable i mean you you see in college football all the time and it happens in the nfl too but in college football especially like i saw it at the florida tennessee game where that crowd was so loud Mm -hmm. tennessee was having trouble you know getting their play calls in and all of that stuff i mean good lord just give them a helmet and let them call the plays and and, and take some of that crowd advantage out of it. I, I want to see who the best team is. I don't want to see who the best team is at home. Right.
0: Remember okay? one thing, though. Okay, in the National Football League, nobody runs uh, hurry up, no huddle constant. You may see it later in the game. You send the play to the quarterback, you still got to get the play to everybody else. Okay? Yeah. A- a- and now NFL teams huddle. <laughs> Okay. Um, in college football, if you're on in tempo and you're like four or five wide, you can tell the quarterback to play. He's still likely he's going to use a hand signal or, 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 or a verbal signal to get that play. So you still have to get the play to everybody else. Not like the quarterback's the only
2: one that knows the play. Real quick, um, Gus Malzon pretty much said they have to win this well, game. You kind Davis. of walked him into that, right? Well, he. he <laughs> It is a must win. I think it's a must win.
0: Mike, I think he wrecking. Look, if they lose tomorrow, then you kind of wonder, is there a win out there? Because all of a sudden, you you know, you start to doubt yourself. If they win tomorrow, there's no guarantee they win the final four games. But all of a sudden, you just feel a lot better. So he he understands what's at at, at stake tomorrow. Um, And, you
2: know. If they lose tomorrow, that would make them three and five. All right. 3-5. Three and five. They would have to win three of their last four to get to a bowl game. And that was the, I don't care what anybody says, that was pretty much the accepted goal before the season. First Big 12 season, just get
0: to a bowl game, right? I think it was a realistic goal. You say the accepted yeah. goal. It sounds like if you yeah. don't reach that, everybody's fired. But Yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I, no one's going to argue. And Mike, we talk about the journey of college football. Um, I'm not saying that. If UCF wins tomorrow, people forget about what happened to Baylor and the blowout of Kansas. But if you win tomorrow, you'll feel a lot better. they will just say, okay, well, let's go play the final four games and see if we can go get a couple of wins and, and, and more. Um, and, and that's the week-to-week journey in college football. So, yeah, there's a lot at stake tomorrow for them.
2: Alright, we're going to talk more about UCF, we're going to talk about Florida State, we're going to talk about Florida Georgia coming up, we've got the NFL, the Bucks lose again last night, we got a lot coming your way on the bridge, but first let me tell you about Whitmire's Furniture, I love family owned businesses that have been in Orlando for a long time, why? Because if they're family-owned, that means they're invested in the community. If they've been around a long time, that means their customers actually like them. They must be good businesses, all right? Whitmire's Furniture has been in Orlando since 1947. That's when two brothers came back from fighting in World War II and founded the furniture store. It's now owned by the second generation of Whitmire brothers. They've been in the same location on West Colonial since 19. 19- 55 They're not just an Orlando business. They're part of the fabric of our community. They specialize in quality, American-made furniture at affordable prices. They have a large selection of beautiful Amish furniture as well. And if you're getting ready for football season, actually, we're in football season. If you want to complete that man cave with one of the best recliners out there, They are Central Florida's oldest lazy boy dealer. You gotta check out their recliners. You can find them at 815 West Colonial or WhitmeyersFurniture.com.